Hello, and thank you for joining us again on Into the Prey. We've got a quick favour to ask you guys before listening to this week's episode. We want to ask you to go ahead to rate and review Into the Prey so that we can lift the level of what we're doing further. Visibility in the podcast charts would help with that massively. It would also help to address the imbalance where folk can often be very specific and more than willing to leave reviews or so-called reviews when they're not happy with what we're doing. So there are, we believe, a vast majority of you who are happy and appreciative and grateful it would be very good to convert that into rates and reviews that give us a more reflective presence in the podcast chart. So if you go ahead and do that, we've also got a new Patreon page. If you want to become one of our patrons, stroke supporters, please do follow that link, look at the information and consider doing that as well. Thanks again for listening and please do feel free to use the contact page to drop us a line with any questions, thoughts or reflections. This morning it's a great joy to bring Joshua Fortune through to the podcast for you to listen to for 20 or 30 minutes or so. Josh is a pastor from a church in Woolwich in London and as you're about to hear from him directly in terms of the type of church, the size of the church, the challenges that he's faced as the pastor of the church, Josh really does bring to the table I think what every church leader should be bringing to the table at this point in history, which is humility, transparency, repentance, a willingness to forsake all else in order to hear what God is really saying and, and to follow his shepherding leading. And, and as a understudy, and as, as an under-shepherd to the great shepherd, the good shepherd, Josh really does, I think, epitomize um, what it means to be a pastor. And so you're about to hear from him directly now. We're going to talk a little bit about his experiences, his journey, his pastoring, but also in our series, All the Prophets, thinking a little bit more about Jeremiah. So without further ado, let's go over to Josh Fortune. The devil wants that. On the one half is the blessing camp and on the other half is the repent camp. That's what the devil wants, okay? And that is what's happening. But actually... It comes back to this misunderstanding of what it means to to know and worship and love a good God. Is that the blessing is the repentance? God, for all intents and purposes, needn't be there, and we need to recapture a sense of the godness of God, the greatness of God, the majesty of God. Uh, yeah, it's, a good, it's good to meet with you, mate. And um, it's been, what, the last year or so that we've spent some time together um, just over on Zoom. We've never met physically, such is the world that we live in. Mm. You're in Woolwich, is that right? Yes, southeast London. Yeah, I came across you guys with the um, uh, podcast you did with Dave uh, about the vaccines, which was which is very helpful. Yeah, over the last 12 months or so. So it's it's great. And I've, I've just done a little introduction um, about you before we recorded so um but yeah once again it's just a joy to meet with people who get it basically and the the podcast today we want to talk about a couple of things or at least I wanted to and thanks for joining me I mean I, I wanted to kind of pick your brain about two two things particularly one was to talk about the prophet Jeremiah that was your suggestion in terms of of all the prophets you know which one could we focus on today we've done a bit of content um with Jeremiah in mind um, in other podcasts. So for folk listen, who listen regularly, there'll be those bits to pick up on. So it's not going to be a comprehensive overview of Jeremiah, but we'll dip in. But it's also, to be honest, it was also 
um, as you know, it's it's your role as a as a local church pastor in your church in Woolwich, um, and the conversations that we've had that I know that you've you've expressed and experienced disruption yourself in recent months. So before we go into anything to do with Jeremiah, maybe, and we'll see how we go, but maybe you could just introduce yourself briefly. I'll, into, I'll just chip in and, and see where we go, but I'd love to just pull out from you some of the things that you, you've already said to me. Yeah, so, um, so I've been at uh, this church for about seven years now. Um, the Lord called me to be a pastor when I was in Afghanistan. Um, yeah, it was strange. I was uh, on a mission with some U.S. Marines, and um, I just knew the Lord was calling me to be a pastor. It was a very bizarre experience. And so I uh, started preaching when I was over there. And it was been really strange to see the events of this summer uh, because, you know, that where you, the, the air base where you saw the Afghans clinging to the plane and stuff was like the base where I preached my first ever sermon where the Lord called me. So, yeah, it's been a very bittersweet year. But mm. um, the Lord's really been at work to me, uh, at work uh, in, in myself and, and my church um, for most of these seven years I felt like and it shames me to say this but I felt like I was dialing it in a lot of uh, like for the first few years of just doing what I needed to do just keeping things ticking over and there was no power of God in our church there was no power of God in my own life or my family's life Um, and it took him to sort of intervene a couple of years ago but he hasn't stopped you know that was the the starting point but he's continuing to do so and he's been using uh, a number of sources including um, yourself and and your podcast to really challenge me uh, in a number of areas Um, and of course with challenge comes the sort of disruption of of, uh, you know am I gonna hear this and ignore it like we see many of the people in the prophets or am I going to hear it and do something about it? And so that's been the, the, the big thing over the last couple of years. Yeah, I love it, mate. What, what? Just for well, partly for me as well. Just, just maybe say something about the the church there in Woolwich and the demographic and the size, the the nature of it. How has that landed in the church there? Yeah, so we we're, we're pretty small, um, twenty five ish on a Sunday morning, um, entirely African. Uh, so most from West or East Africa. Um, and then as you, there's, there's one or two people from um, the Caribbean as well. So it's, it's, it's a bit strange. Um, just me, you know, cause I, I, I'm the only white person there, my family and I, so it's a bit different in, in that way. Um, but it's been really, what's been really interesting. Firstly is how the Lord prepared me for this, because um, when I started preaching in Afghanistan, uh, I was at an American airbase, and the chaplain there said, look, do you want to preach in our evening services? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And I went there and it was sort of the African-American um, evening services. And having been raised in sort of a, a white evangelical British church, this was just like, whoa, this is totally different. And <laughs> that's where, because it's, it's been really standing up to me what you've been saying this past year um, about how den- denominationalism can be such a challenge, I think. And that's where I had to really face up to it uh, myself because I was there, you know, with these African-American brothers and they obviously worship in a different way that I was used to. And they were, um, you know, talking different way I used to. There was nothing wrong. You know, they were not prosperity. But in my heart, like when, you know, when we worship, I was just like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. And and I had to like get a grip of myself and be like, why doesn't this feel right, Josh? Is this just because this is outside what you're used to? And so you're feeling like it's wrong. And 
I had to sort of face up to that. And, and now looking back, it was really funny that the Lord was actually using that to prepare me now, I think, for, for being in a church, which is like entirely um, African. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was sort of where I had to really face up to the fact that actually, you know, going outside our dom- denominational comfort zones is a, a very good and necessary thing because we're, we're part of all the, uh, one body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so we've been there now, I think with the church, we've been very much on a journey um, together. We've all been growing. And what, when, when I first started there, the church had recently gone through a massive split. Um, the pastor had left, lots of people had left. And so there was a very small core of people who were, who were left and not many were believers. The, the elder who was there wasn't a believer. He, he got baptized two years ago, praise God. Um, wow. But it, it it meant that all of us were growing together. Like, and in the first like few years, I was praying, Lord, please send us like mature Christians to help us. And I think the Lord's clear answer was no, I'm going to, you know, disciple you and train you. And then you're going to be the ones who, who you've got to, you know, be mature and, and, and to, to grow in my power and my strength that way. So seeing people grow, um, in the last few years have been amazing so there have been challenges that will come with you know like a, a church full of sort of baby christians um but there's it it means that when there has been disruption and we've wanted to change things it's been very quick there's been nobody like who's been we've been doing this for 40 years sort of thing um and so yeah. it, it's been really good so it's, it's challenging in one sense but actually really good in another mm-hmm. that's really great i mean I, th- I think that's that's an encouragement for every every one of us listening, but specifically church leaders, you know, folk who have the responsibility, men who have responsibility. You know, I, I hesitate to say, but if, if there's any women out there who has responsibility, please listen to some of our other content recently. Um, the, the point being, um, the, the way you've just described your church in, in, the, in its infancy when you took it, over and then you know it, it just reminds me of the way that the lord works the lord prefers inexperience and honesty and readiness to go any day over professionalism with a with a kind of cold hard heart unwillingness to respond to the promptings that he gives you know and that's what i've been encouraged by just really encouraged by listening to you and thank you again for that is is when you've encouraged us personally it's encouraging of course but your testimony um, as a leader in in a church, it is encouraging because of the, the testimony that you give about those things. So keep that. Let's keep all of that in the mind, if if possible. Because I don't want to just kind of do a classic introduction and forget that. I think try and weave that through some observations. We've got about twenty minutes here um, or so, but no pressure. Just just kind of what's on your heart with regards to this prophet Jeremiah? Again, probably the prophet most close to my own heart. Yes. Um, what have you got for us? Yeah, I think um, you know. I, I read. I read through the Bible. I, I try to do it usually like once or twice a year, um, and you know. So I've done read Jeremiah many times, but I think within the last twelve months, the times I've read it have been especially powerful because I'm just seeing so much of the things that Jeremiah is shouting about actually happening in our society, and particularly. Um, in the church at, at large here um and you know i remember texting you actually i think early a couple of months ago saying nick like look at this verse and you're like yeah i know i know <laughs> um and i think i mean the, you know the, the, the two verses i specifically want to bring today are classics everybody will know them but just really considering what it means both for individuals um and and for churches at large so uh, chapter 2 verse 5 just reading from the esv thus says the lord 
what wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became mm. worthless? Now, we know there are many calls from God um, in the Old Testament, and there are some in the New Testament as well, when you think about the letters to the churches in Revelation, where the unfaithfulness of God's people is challenged. But what I find fascinating about this call from the Lord is the Lord is saying, what wrong did my people find in me? And when you put it that way, if you actually stop and think about what that means, it's very hard hitting. Um, you know, let me give an example. When any Christian man chooses to sin or when any church departs from the Lord or departs from truth in some way, whether they like to acknowledge it or not, is because they found something wrong with God. Now, that's not to say, of course, that there is anything wrong with God, but they've decided they don't like something about God. Now, again, we would never want to put it that way. So, you know, if you had a Christian man right now, um, I mean, how many Christian men in this world are in the grips of pornography? It's it's, it's awful. Mm. Um, but when, you know, when you, a man, a Christian man chooses to sin in that way, the core of it is essentially unbelief and them finding something wrong with God. So it could be sort of, you know, the act of doing that, a choosing sin is basically saying, Lord, I don't trust that you are good enough to provide for my needs. I don't trust that you are, you know, your commands are worth following. And so in this moment, I am going to choose to find this fault in you and go and do my own thing. And that we can sort of extrapolate that to everything that we choose to do wrong in life. And if we were to just stop with a bit of paper and a pen, and list what the most common sins that we are that, that we do you know again individually or uh, corporately as you know our local uh, church you know because all of our churches have blind spots and areas where where we do struggle what is the core that we are finding wrong with god when we choose to do this and if we actually write that down and it might be very hard to write it down because again you know give an example of looking at indecent material when you actually choose to write down lord i don't believe that you are worth it you know ultimately lord the thing i'm finding wrong with you i don't think you're worth obeying in mm -hmm. this situation i prefer to love this thing more than you mm -hmm. we actually start shedding some real home truths in our in our life and so you know it's an exercise i've done in the past and i recommend everyone doing it to be honest what wrong do we find with god when we choose to do these things now of course what does the lord say um in the second part of verse five they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless again this is one of the first examples in history of you are what you eat <laughs> you know if you go <laughs> after worthlessness you become worthless and i in my christian life you know I, I became a christian just over 21 years ago but the embarrassing and shameful thing to say is that going after worthless things becoming worthless is the vast majority of my Christian life to the point where actually I really actually don't think I became a Christian until far more recently. Part of me wonders if I only became a Christian, you know, when I'd already been a pastor for four years. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you because mm -hmm. because I my life was just in these horrible cycles of just going after worthless things and becoming worthless. And Lord would in his graciousness bring me to repentance at some stage, but then I would just, you know, like a dog returning to the vomit, I'd go back again. Um, and again, I, I just think that, you know, spiritually very much we are what we eat. And, and when we choose to go after these things, we become worthless. Mm -hmm. We become worthless to the kingdom of God in that, you know, again, I'm not saying that, you know, God stops loving us or anything like that. But in terms of what God is accomplishing on this earth, mm -hmm. we take ourselves out and sit on the sidelines. Um, I think you might have mentioned this before, Nick, but uh, 
scene in Lord of the Rings of Two Towers when King Theoden, uh, uh, when we first meet him, you know, he's old and crusty, he's under the, the thrall of Saruman, um, mm-hmm. and Gandalf has to come in and deliver him, and then he stands up and the, you know, the age just sort of drops from him, and he's like, mm-hmm. he can hold a sword again. And that's what it's like, you know, um, and again, speaking particularly as, as a man who in my past has, you know, s- sometimes been cap- held captive to looking at stuff I shouldn't have done. I'm going to be straight out honest with you. Like mm-hmm. a lot of men don't like to talk about it, but I was one of those men yeah. and I was very much like King Thade and they're just, just worthless, just spiritually worthless. And mm-hmm. w- one of my just great things, which sometimes keeps me up at night is just, I'm devastated how much of my life I've wasted, uh, you know, mm-hmm. how much time God's given me that I've wasted because I went after worthlessness mm-hmm. uh, and became worthless myself. Mm-hmm. Hey, Strike, thank you for sharing like that and speaking like that because I agree most most men, most Christian men, most Christian leaders don't want to and, and it's falling into the trap of the enemy and your humility there is, is a great strength. And just to encourage you on that, mate, just I hope you don't mind me saying this, but that sense of regret I think is a real gift for maximizing what God has always planned for you to do and say, mm. without which you perhaps would have just led a mediocre, yes. a mediocre, lukewarm Christian life. You know, um, I, I don't mean to reiterate the, the kind of um, the Roman thinking, which is that you know, if 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 if, if uh, grace abounds when sin is, let's sin all the more. Of course, yes, that's not of course, what I'm saying, but. Yeah, yeah. It was 1 Corinthians 6 that just popped into my head. Again, guys listening, this is all very live. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality, or as the New Living Translation says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So thank you for being open and honest about that. We, we've actually not done much content recently about that, although I'd given a whole chapter to it. Um, we'll maybe do that more in the new year, but it's it's without hijacking your your thought train here it's relevant isn't it because the, the language of 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 the prophets re- repeatedly uses sexual immorality promis- promiscuity adultery as the benchmark and your opening verse there is i think to be understood not only in the damage done to one's body through sexual immorality but it's the shattering effect on covenant which is really what Jeremiah's ultimately getting at, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and so this sort of, of course, links on to my uh, second verse. Again, this is one of the classic verses of Jeremiah, uh, 12 and 13. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And, you know, it's... just again when one one reflects their own experience their own their own life how often we do this and i think that you know again as speaking as a church leader the first few years of me being a pastor sort of uh, this verse could represent it because it's it's so easy it's so easy as as a church leader just to get into the habit of you know, cranking out the sermons each week and just keeping things ticking over and keeping things working and trusting in, I know I often speak about trusting in the arm of the flesh, but that's very much what it is when you 
Um, and again, I, I, I think you've probably mentioned this quote before, but um, it's a very well well used quote that uh, I can't remember who it was that said it, but um, you know, so many churches in the West are so well run in inverted commas that if the Holy Spirit never showed up on a Sunday, you wouldn't tell it. You know, nobody would notice any different. Yeah, and and that that's sort of what it's like. You know, that again, we got to ask ourselves what is the reason that as churches we are even willing to forsake God to start with. Now, again, this it, it's a controversial thing to say because many people would would say forsake God. Of course, we wouldn't. But that's sort of what happens. That the moment that we forsake God and decide that obedience to Him and being willing for Him to disrupt you um, in a way is is too costly or too inconvenient. That suddenly we decide actually the way we're doing things are okay, and that's sort of when we start hewing out our own systems, but actually they're broken. Actually, they can hold no water. There mm -hmm. is no, none of the water of life uh, mm -hmm. in it. And, and so big problems come. And again, you know, whenever I come to Jeremiah 2, it's like, I, I'm <laughs> glad of this because I need to be reminded of this every, every, every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but in one sense, the prophet Jeremiah is, if there wasn't any other, you know, we're talking about all the prophets, but if there was only one prophet, if Jesus was, was, spending that seven mile walk to and from Emmaus, you know, just talking about one prophet. If if God if God had only given one prophet to Israel and you know, if we you know, if we literally only had Jer I've never really thought about that before, but if you open your Bible and it was just Jeremiah as the only prophet, he would say it all. Yeah. He really would say it all. Um which leads me to the to the other point you've made recently, which is that I think that's true. I think if Jeremiah was the only prophet not only would he be particularly poignant for us today, he would, in a sense, sum up mankind's, you know, wayward ways, our tendency, like all sheep, to turn to their own ways. But there is also the specific issue of nuance that you've mentioned. I think that was a really good question you'd asked, and I'd forgotten, so I'm glad I've just remembered, about, about repent. Let's talk about that in closing, if that's all right, because, uh, because I think... Your thought on that, your question on this is really helpful. Um, basically, your question, and correct me if I'm wrong, was that repentance, the call to repentance is, in a sense, generic for every, every single one of us. But the point you were making is that within the first three chapters of Revelation, you have Jesus addressing from the midst of the lampstands individual churches that had although they had kind of similarities of, uh, of issues, there, there were also specific issues. So in other words, your question is, what about churches that need to repent about certain things? And where does that fit into it? That was your question, I think. Yeah, and it was, you know, what would repentance look like for, you know, a tiny church like mine compared to, say, I don't know, like a Hillsong type church? Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you remember what I said? <laughs> Um, I think you said we were, we were going to then deal with it in, <laughs> in another one of your podcasts. I think. No, I think I think I said as well as well as that 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 the um, regardless of the demographic of each individual church, like you've mentioned about yours, that there are overarching realities that we're living in, and and I think facing yes. that are the same for every single church, but that within that there are potentially specific indiv individual issues that need to be dealt with and you've mentioned pro the prosperity gospel and yes and, and it's this is not you know this is just part of you know some of specific ethnic groups cultures in the world isn't there the the, the prosperity gospel tends to be more prominent in in some of them yes exactly exactly and and 
you know, when we first started at the church, it was, uh, you know, some people were turning up to meetings with, you know, like your best life now, now with books like that. So that was something that really had to, to, to be challenged with. But I think that also just, you know, so, so there's the issues that face specific demographics, but there's also issues that face, you know, the culture of today. So we, we actually had Dave Brennan uh, come to our church. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. To go to, um, to do a talk about uh, breathos and um, abortion. And he showed uh, a video of it in the church and absolute stunned silence. And mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't sure whether people were just going to get up and walk out, but people had to see it because afterwards, after the service, and this was really telling, they said to me, a number of people said to me, look, Josh, we've heard you talk about abortion and pray about abortion, but now we've seen it for ourselves. Mm. And, you know, I mean, speaking to Dave afterwards, a lot of churches would not even have him or, countenance him coming they certainly wouldn't allow the videos to be shown but my question is why not you know I said to my church you know particularly given that that um, most of them are from Africa I said to them if we could go back 200 years from now and you would have a Dave Brennan type figure go and speak to a church about slavery would you want him to be honest would you want him to tell exactly what was going on with slavery to show examples and to challenge them and they were all like absolutely yes and so I said to them is this not the same now is not abortion the issue of today and it was like I say, it was it's really it was scary having mm. him along, you know, because I don't know how people can respond to it. But mm. this part of being willing to be challenged about where you're at, at and, you know, thinking again, what Jesus would say, you know, to, to the church in Willage. You know, this is was the angel of the church in Willage. This is what I'd say. And so, yeah, I, I want to be uncomfortable. I want to be in a situation where we are responding to what the Lord is saying to his churches today. Um, mm. And because yeah, like you, you're completely right. There are overarching issues which I think everybody uh, needs to face up to, and I think abortion is one of them. Because yeah. even churches that are against it, are they really, really against it in terms of how they actually teach about it and talk about it? And mm-hmm. then of course there's specifics like the prosperity gospel thing you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, it's both. And um, I'm glad that David had come. We spoke yesterday in our normal weekly session, and one of the things that I don't it's fine to repeat because of course it's an, it's in the episode from yesterday that the opposition that that Dave is finding from evangelical leaders who would in theory agree with um, a new attempt to clarify some doctrine around specifically um, what they're calling life affirmation, you know, around the issues of abortion and, and other related things. And yet there was an unwillingness despite an agreement to be public about that. And, it, and that's the same principle that you're saying, you know, the, the, why, why wouldn't certain, certain people like Dave be welcome to, to bring something in churches up and down the country? Why wouldn't church leaders be willing for their churches to be exposed to what's actually going on? You know, it does, it does us good to see these things because otherwise, you know, we just, we kind of just spend our lives coasting down this, this kind of, you know, cellar V of kind of, let's just pretend it's not really as bad as, as we think it might be exactly. and, and, and actually exactly. it, it is as bad it's probably worse yeah and, and i think that you know something i'd say to people that you know have issues with the videos being shown I'd, I'd say to them do you think it was important that that you know what happened with george floyd was filmed last year that's a good point yeah if it hadn't been filmed do you think there would have been the uproar that there was well of course there wouldn't have been well how mm-hmm. much more for abortion and unless you see it and you're willing to face up to it mm-hmm. you know it Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an avid student of World War II. I know there's a lot of tired World War II comparisons that mm-hmm. go around sometimes. But, um, you know, I remember in, in Band of Brothers, the 
the scene near the end where the American troops grab local Germans, they make them actually go and look at what was going on mm-hmm. in the nearby concentration camp and face up to what they were just tacitly allowing by just not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. That's always hit me very hard because that's what we're doing. You know, we don't want to face up to the reality of abortion. and mm-hmm. We don't want to talk about it. And yeah, and we're sort of approving, giving approval of it. I love that Band of Brothers suit. I, w- I watched that when it came out. I did it on DVD. That goes to show how long ago it was. Um, you've, but you've basically just brought us full circle because this thing to do, the, the example from Band of Brothers there and the the, the willingness, to, again, it's strong leadership, mate. It's really brave and I bless you for that because many church leaders wouldn't want abortion to be exposed in their churches for fear of their salary, Yes, yeah, um, and you have so well done. Um, but but the thought being that your opening thought about Jeremiah, what was the exact verse from chapter two there about? Why have you forsaken uh, what fault have you found? Uh, two verse five, yeah. Chapter two verse five. What what is it again? Um, what wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? So that so this thought of abortion being worse than than we think it that we're aware it is and our unwillingness it's th- that principle. And the courage required of leadership at this time to expose that to their congregation, I think, should be applied to that verse, which is that the the horrors of forsaking him. We're so used to that, you know. And again, as you've candidly said, you know, whatever issue it is in our lives where we repeatedly do that, it is a horror. It's not just. It's not just. Um, it's not a small thing. It's a major thing that we don't feel the weight of when we forsake him. And of course, he, he, his experience of that, every time one of his children prefers something over himself, yes. idolizing, you know, it, it, there's a weight to that that I would say is comparable to your church seeing those videos of abortions for the first time. Yeah. We, need, we need to know what this forsaking of him actually is like, don't we? I mean, that doesn't, isn't there a verse that says, be appalled, O heavens? I mean, you, you can almost imagine just like, you know, an audible gasp from the assembled throng in heaven. It's like, has that person really uh-huh. abandoned God again? You know, just, yeah, the horror, I think, is something that we, we don't think about, but it's so sobering when you yeah. consider actually what it is, yeah. Yeah, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord amongst us. Um, was anything else on your heart, mate? No, no, that was that was pretty much it. Yeah, thank you for the chat this morning. No, well, thank you, thank you for bringing it, and uh, just um, thank you again for your example of, um, particularly your humility to to kind of talk about the things. Josh features on the to the Church in Great Britain vlog series. We had um, episode four up last Sunday talking about. The Return of the Lord and, and Josh features in that one at length. So do go and check that out. Father God, these words this morning are so sobering mm. because, Lord, we know that at points in both of our lives here tonight, and I imagine for the listeners as well, there are times when we have <clears throat> found fault with you, where we've decided that obeying you mm. as individuals or even obeying you corporately as a as a local body of believers is not worth it and we've found fault with you lord though you are perfect and holy 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 and spotless mm-hmm. lord mm-hmm. we have found fault with you <clears throat> and lord for that we deeply repent mm-hmm. we thank you so much that you don't cut us off when we do this mm-hmm. the first time the seventh time the 77th time lord you are so gracious mm-hmm. and lord i pray that you would incline our hearts to you lord that you would fill us mm-hmm. with the true horror of what it means when we choose to 
huge broken systems for ourselves yeah. Lord, that we would never depart from the stream of living water that we would be willing to listen to your voice that we would never depart from you and go after worthless things and become worthless lord i pray for anybody who is in the grips of worthlessness right now lord their spiritual life is just dead lord i pray that you would awaken them lord i pray that you would use your word in conjunction with your holy spirit just to hammer away yes, at their hearts so you mm. would turn it from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh mm. lord i thank you for doing that in my life thank you for doing it in nick's life lord you are so gracious and you are lord without you this could never have happened it is all about you lord i pray that this would happen to the church in this country the church yeah. in this world lord yes that we would forsake worthlessness we would forsake our broken systems and we would return to you mm. the fountain of living water be with mm -hmm. us lord mm -hmm. we pray in jesus name amen amen as lord we we thank you for i thank you for josh now and for this congregation in Woolwich, and thank you for your work. Thank you for your disruptive work. Thank you for your kind, gentle, correcting work and your comforting. Lord, I, I pray that you would do that within within that fellowship there for that congregation, that there would be a growing and obvious growth in maturity spiritually and deepening of um, conviction, deepening of worship and expression, and that Josh would increasingly know your leading sensitively and um, give him that great wisdom that draws particularly men to the place of surrender and submission and wholehearted worship. Lord, I, I pray for that to be what happens in Woolwich there and um, I pray you'd keep them as a family, protect them, protect their hearts, protect their bodies and give them great joy in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.